This is a Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning to you. My name is Martin Timoth. It's great to be preaching this morning. I trust you are doing well. Now, today we are finishing our series that we've called Look to Jesus. But I've got to be honest with you, I haven't been looking forward to this final message. In fact, I found this quite difficult in my preparation and uh, this is not an easy subject to tackle. This is Jesus in uh, the end of chapter 5 in Matthew. We see Jesus in full flow and full on. This is hard hitting. This is challenging. I would say that these are arguably the toughest verses for us to apply to our lives, maybe than many, if not all of the Bible. This is this is tough stuff. Uh, and so uh, this is a time to buckle up. It's a time to to grab a cushion and, uh, you know, just just comfort yourself. It's not that bad, really. But actually, these are really challenging verses for the Christian. And it comes at a time where Jesus has, has, as it were, bang after bang after bang after verse after verse after verse been laying thick, laying it thick to those who are listening to what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. So, I hope you're ready. The title for this morning is Loving Our Enemies. We read from Matthew 5, verse 38 through to 48, and this is how Matthew recorded this moment. He writes this. You have heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it is said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? 
Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I don't know how you respond to these verses. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you were uh, uh, running out the door at the moment or maybe saying, I'll, I'll just put the kettle on uh, because this is hard hitting. Phrases like be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect hits you right between the eyes. Maybe just uh, look around the room at the moment and see if you can see anyone in your room that may be with you watching this. I know not everyone's with other people, but for those of you that are, have you got any people that you would say are perfect in your room? See, this is hard hitting. This is challenging. And this is, this is a key part of the Sermon on the Mount that, that needs us to get our heads around to ask the question, well, why is Jesus saying this? What's his purpose? Not for the just for the listeners of the day, but what is his purpose for us in hearing these words today? And in fact, I've got three phrases and three words that I think help us in understanding what Jesus is saying to us today. The three words are these. Wow. Help. And yes, wow, help. And yes, it begins with wow. Wow, this is what God is like. Jesus is telling us in this section that we're reading, and actually the preceding verses as well, that this is what God is like. God is perfect. Your heavenly Father is perfect, Jesus says. The first thing that we should arrive at is a place actually of a sense of wonder and a sense of worship, because this is what our God is like. It is our God who loves those who persecute him, who loves the wicked. It's our God who loves those who disobey him. It's our God who shows grace to all, whether righteous or unrighteous, we read in verse 45. In other words, God loves and forgives people like you and like me. Which is where and why Jesus declares that your Father in heaven is perfect. So when we mess up again and again, when we disobey again and again, we are reminded in these verses that actually Jesus is clearly saying, look, this is what God is like. He's perfect in the way that he loves, the way that he forgives, the way that he accepts you and I and all of humankind. So the first moment, the first word, if you like, is wow. It's wow, this is what God is like. This is what the God of the Bible is like. Secondly, I think Jesus would want us to arrive at this place. And it's the word help, help, help. I cannot do this. 
again, just have a glance around the room. Are there any perfect people in the room around you? There, there's certainly no perfect people in this room. And of course, I'm the only person here at the moment. You see, the reason why Jesus is so challenging and so clear is actually he wants us to get to a place where we realise that we cannot reach the level that he is describing. Remember, the people that are listening are, are general people uh, that would have been there, but it's also the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, who kept instructing the people that they had to do this and they had to do something else and they had to do this to try and impress God and prove their righteousness according to the law. But Jesus says, no, actually, you've got to be perfect. And so this leads us to a place of realising that we cannot do this. This bar is supposed to be so high that no one humanly can get over this bar. See, Jesus is leading us to a place where we call upon God's grace and mercy for forgiveness. That we look for righteousness, not from our own lives, but we look for righteousness that only God can give. Remember at the beginning of the Beatitudes, David Devonish instructed us to explain that it begins with grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're supposed to be those that say, Lord, I cannot do this. Help me. I cannot be perfect. And praise God, we're not supposed to be. So do you understand the first thing is that we're supposed to see is it's a wow moment. It's a, our God is like this. He forgives all people, whatever they've done. But secondly, this is a place for us to say, oh, Lord, help. I am poor in spirit and I need your grace and your mercy in my life. Thirdly, the word is yes. It's yes that God is at work in me and in you. You see, it's not like this is a bar that's just too high. And we live in this sad existence of knowing that, that, that we will never be changed and, and, and we live a pitiful life. No, no, no. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we can say yes in light of these verses because we know that God is at work in us. You see, the grace of God, the Bible teaches, not only saves us, the grace of God changes us. The Bible says that by his spirit, his laws have been written on our hearts. You see, actually what God can do by his spirit, he changes us inside. And we begin to choose to live a different life, not because we have to to earn God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. No, 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 because God has done something inside us. In the letter to the church in, in Rome, uh, the Apostle Paul described it this way. He said, you were once slaves to sin. You, 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 you had, a, had a bias towards sin and, and that, that entrapped you and you, you couldn't help yourself. Well, now he says you're no longer slaves to sin, you are slaves to righteousness. And so we have a new bias we, and we can't help ourselves. We want to and we choose to live a different way, the way that God has called us 
to live. There's an inward change that God brings to those that are born again by his spirit. Now, it does say that we are to be perfect as our father is perfect. Now, again, actually, the uh, the call for us is not to be perfect. And none of us will live perfectly in this life. I think Phil Moore sums it Phil Moore uh, sums it up really well with these words. He says this, none of us will become completely sinless in this life. But by his grace, we can all sin less, much less. So let's unpack the specifics. It's important that we, we look at, well, how does God want us to sin less in light of his grace at work in us? And then we get to some of the, the, the heart of these verses, uh, which are challenging still. Let's, let's not um, pretend. These are really challenging. But actually, this is about God's working through us. And Jesus particularly focuses on our attitude when we are hurt by others. Because our attitude when hurt is important. How do you react when someone hurts you? Do you respond in bitterness? Maybe seek revenge. Maybe try and get your own back. The examples that Jesus uses focuses on four areas. The first is an attack on someone's honour. He talks about if anyone slaps you uh, in the face with the right cheek, you should turn to them the other cheek and let them slap you again. See, this is an Eastern culture context. And this would be and is very offensive in an Eastern culture. It would be maybe uh, in a Western culture, uh, maybe if someone spat at you the disrespect that that would suggest, the attack on your honour that that would present. Maybe it's something like that that other of us can identify with. There's an attack on our honour. And Jesus is saying, is, do we seek to get our own back to revenge? Or are we willing to have our honour attacked again? Secondly, is an attack on property. Jesus says, if anyone takes your shirt, hand it over to them, your coat as well. This is like, well, okay, you've taken my sh shirt, you might as well take my coat. This is about property. That's the second one, attack on our property. The third one is, is attack on our liberty. It's, it's when someone forces you to walk a mile, which would have been quite common for a Roman soldier to do for people, uh, uh, the occupied people that they, 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 were, they were living alongside. But Jesus responds and says, well, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And the last one is an attack on someone's generosity. Jesus says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is a, a, a generosity that, that is attacked because people abuse that generosity. I wonder, how do you, how do I react when someone hurts you, when someone attacks your honour or your property or your liberty or your generosity? 
How would you feel if someone who you knew, you lent them your car and when they returned it, it came covered in mud and filthy inside? How would you feel if someone bad-mouthed you to others, spread rumours about you? How would you react to that? And how would you feel if someone treated you unjustly? See, this is what Jesus is saying. It's, it's what is the Christian going to be like? How are we going to respond when we are attacked in these ways? David Devonish put it this way. He said this, surprise those who hurt you. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. You see, according to what Jesus is saying, Christians react differently. Jesus calls his church to an all-embracing love. To not only love those who are easy to love, or love people that are kind to you, but actually to love our enemies. He also says that we are to pray for those who persecute you. This is a, a plural you. This is that we should be a people who pray corporately for those who are against us. So this begins with a sense of, wow, this is what God is like. And we must recognise that that's one of the key things that Jesus is, is trying to say to us and clearly communicating. That our God is perfect. He is the one who forgives whoever has sinned. He is the one who is willing to love all people. Secondly, it's a moment when we say, help. I cannot do this on my own. And thirdly, we say yes. We say, God is at work in me. God's grace not only saves me, it changes me. And I'm challenged. Yes, I'll be honest, as I said at the beginning, I'm really challenged by these verses. But I'm believing that God wants to change my heart and keep changing my heart to be more like himself. But there's actually a fourth point. There's a fourth part of, of this message, I think, that we mustn't miss out on. And that's this. If we've got wow, we've got help, we've got yes. The last word is point. We point to a God who loves and forgives. You see, every time a Christian chooses not to react in bitterness or revenge, but instead reacts in love and forgiveness, they point to the one who first loved and first forgave, because this is what God is like. You may remember some verses before when we talked about salt and light, Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We show our good deeds to others. We let our light shine by the way we respond when people hurt us. The way that we love. The way that we accept and forgive. The way that we're willing to be like Christ in that situation. As we do that, we point to the one who loves us first. We point to Jesus. We point to our Father in heaven. And in fact, in our small way, we say, look, don't look at us. Look to him. 
because he's the one that has loved us. He's the one that's justified us. He's the one that's forgiven us. Here we have some incredibly hard verses, challenging, be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. Yet within that, if we understand the full message that Jesus was communicating, we realise that we celebrate of who God is, that he is this perfect one who forgives us and forgives you and forgives me. But actually he works in us that we can slowly be changed, transformed, sanctified to be more and more like Christ. That we can celebrate that we are not pitiful people that, that are, are unequipped to what we are asked to do. But we can be confident that we have a God who's working in and through us. So yes, God is at work. And as we do that, as we forgive as we pray for those who persecute us, as we love our enemies, we point to one who loves us completely and perfectly and wonderfully. That's the God we serve. Let me pray for us. I need to know God's grace afresh in my life as I read these verses. I trust you do too. Maybe you, you come out from that cushion now, but let's pray together let's let's know god's grace working in our lives let's pray father we thank you for the words of your son jesus we have to be honest lord these are very challenging words yet we recognize that first and foremost they tell us what your father is like Jesus, we, we, we recognise that you are describing your Father in heaven. This is who our God is, the one who loves enemies, the one who forgives, the one who, who accepts those who are disobedient. Lord, we thank you that we receive that forgiveness. We know a Father who forgives and accepts us. Lord, we do cry out to you. We say, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. Lord, I particularly pray for anyone today that maybe has never made that decision that says, help me God, I cannot do this on my own. Lord, I pray that we will be those that will call upon you and know your forgiveness and know of your new life working through us. And so Lord, we, we do declare yes, in you we can begin to do this we can approach these challenging verses knowing that actually this isn't us at work this is you working through us so god we pray would you continue to change our hearts change us from the inside out and lord as we do that as we seek to trust you and be the christian people you call us to be lord we pray that those around us would not see us they would see you they would recognise something of you in us and would be drawn to you as the one who forgives and the one who saves. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. That's the end of our service. We hope to see you real soon. Thank you. Music.
You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.